What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on Tuesday, October 4th, just a night after the Grizzlies' emphatic preseason opener win against the Orlando Magic. But we are not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about the amazing news of the Grizzlies locking it up with Aquaman after securing him for a two-year, $25 million extension. So I'm going to have two of my favorite people to talk Grizzlies basketball with on the podcast tonight to break this deal down. Because honestly, I didn't see it coming. I thought they were going to wait until restricted or unrestricted free agency. But nonetheless, the Grizzlies secured a good basketball player, and you praise that. But before I introduce my guest, let me tell you how you can keep in touch with the show and with the podcast. So Grizzly Bear Blues is a Memphis Grizzlies blog on SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And GBB Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network that now has five shows on the network. Yeah, you heard me. Five shows. We got GBB Live starting five next gen with Bryson Wright, Core 4 podcast, and now Grizzly Bear Bet. So wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, wherever you can find the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network there. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And first, let me introduce one of my associate editors over at Grizzly Bear Blues. He is the Sat Sensei himself, Sean Coleman. Sean, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, doing all right. Good talking with you again, Parker. Uh, it's uh, Basketball is almost here, and it, it's good to talk about some Grizzlies basketball, knowing that we don't have to wait a month or two months or three months until they play again. So that, good to see right. you, man. That's right. And then making his first ever guest appearance on GBB Live, he is a co-host for Locked On Grizzlies. He is an NBA writer for Fansided to Step Back, the former site manager over at Grizzly Bear Blues, former host of this very podcast, the undertaker of GBB, Joe Molinax. Joe, how is it? And also, how did I do that intro? It's a little bit different than what you usually do. It is different. I'm not sure how I feel about that still. It's weird. Um, but Parker, you're doing a great job with the blog. And you know the whole reason you took over was you're there on the ground. You have a chance to evolve it and build it and make it something that I simply can't anymore. And in my current uh, role uh, over at Locked On, we have DeMichael Cole, obviously, who Sean knows very well at the Commercial Appeal. He can be the boots on the ground, and I can just be the guy that generates hate on YouTube and uh, in other areas of commenting now. I'm starting to think I'm the common denominator, boys. I'm going to be honest with you, because uh, I got hateful messages <laughs> on GBB's message board for a long time, and, and now I'm getting them on YouTube. So maybe I should take a hint. But people keep hiring me. And people keep making the decision to, to keep me around. So um, shout out to Locked On and shout out to Fansided, Ian, and, and all those guys over there. Uh, I'm having a great time, and I'm very proud of the work you guys are doing at GBB. You're, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You're making it bigger and better. I really appreciate that. And so we got a lot to talk about with Stephen Adams here. So, But I want to jump in right in. Question of the day. I asked my Twitter followers. Uh, what were your thoughts on Steven Adams' two-year $25 million extension? Uh, there's 185 votes right now as we're recording, and my foolish self made it a 24-hour poll, so it's not yeah. too late to vote. But 
I was in a rush this morning. I, I blame myself and my time management, but 44.9 of y'all have said, fantastic, great deal. 47.6 of y'all said, it's good. 5.9% of y'all would have waited until a free agency. And 1.6% of y'all just meh, not really fans of it. <laughs> but Sean, I want to get to you first. Sean, what were your thoughts on the extension for Steven Adams? I thought it was a very good deal. Um, and the reason why I thought that was because I think that it is fair value to compensate Steven Adams for being the veteran presence that he is. I don't think that it's anything absolutely atrocious as far as the amount goes. And I think that it's fair value because while it's not direct, like we might like for it to be in terms of the value that he adds, there's a lot of positive value that could come not only for Steven Adams, but to me, most importantly, where the main value comes from is what he does for the core. You know, I've talked about it before, the screens he sets for jaw, the physical toll that he takes on during the regular season to allow for Jaron not to have to worry about it and to be the defensive stopper and roam on the perimeter on offense, the chemistry that he has with Bain. Those things matter, in my opinion. And you saw that with the fact that once he came and was the center, all three of the guys I just mentioned, they had breakout years in one shape, form, or fashion or the other. The other thing is, is that I think that he does a great job of what this team does to win games during the regular season, which is get more possessions than the other team. And the final thing is, is that, hey, we talk about him being here for three years. Hopefully he'll be able to maintain similar years like he did last year. But if he doesn't, then that contract becomes a good potential asset to use in a money matching deal. So on the court, off the court, culture-wise, what have you, there's multiple layers to this that make me fine with the deal. I think it makes sense, though it was a bit surprising with who else could get an extension. For sure. And I want to get Joe's thoughts on here on the question of the day. Joe, what were your thoughts on the extension? I voted good on the poll. I didn't think it was awesome. And in talking about this over on uh, Locked On, I, I mentioned that it was a draw on the episode that I did uh, solo recently. I thought it was a good deal for the Grizzlies. I thought it was a good deal for Steven Adams. I think that Adams is in a position in his career and mentally, just in general, where whether he's a starter or he's a reserve, I don't know that he necessarily cares. So I know, Parker, you and I have talked in the past uh, extensively about Jaron being the five. And I think that if he's ready to do that sooner than anticipated, they can make that move and, and Adams can be a 20-minute-a-night big off the bench and he won't make waves. Whereas you don't know if you bring in someone else, you let Steven expire in terms of his contract, you let another trade happen and you bring in someone new, you're dealing with a different devil, if that makes sense. And I don't mean to make it sound like Steven Adams is bad. It's just the turn of phrase. You know, you deal with the devil that you know. You know Steven Adams fits, as Sean alluded to, not just on the court, but off of it. He can impact winning without directly being in a spot where he has to score the ball. And that is extremely helpful, especially as even Zaire Williams develops his game. You've got shots for Jaw, shots for Bain, shots for Jaron, Zaire, Dylan Brooks, assuming he's still around, which, you know, that is one of the weaknesses of this deal is now you're starting to take up even more space. The Grizzlies are already going to be over operating as an over the cap team with this extension next year. What does that mean for Brandon Clark? What does that mean for Dylan Brooks, especially uh, perhaps even more so than Clark? I think that's worth monitoring and asking. But when, when it comes to Adams, it's a good deal for him. I don't think he gets more than that on the open market. 
I think that it's a good deal for Memphis and that they know what Adams can be for them. They know that he fits and they know that depending on how things play out with this young roster, he's not going to make waves if it goes in a way that it shouldn't go for him in his opinion. He's going to do his job and he's going to do it well. And that holds value when you talk about a team that has the culture that the Grizzlies do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I mean, I couldn't vote on it. It was my own poll, but I just thought it was good. I thought it was a pretty solid deal because for one, like I said, when I was doing my little intro there, like Steven Adams, is a good basketball player. He brings an elite skill to this team with his rebounding and his screening something that in the screening it's pivotal for the success of John Moran and Desmond Bain and his rebounding it's a success or it's pivotal for the team because it minimizes the, one of the weaknesses for one of their core players in Jaron Jackson jr. And like, I also like the other side of it is okay. Like this is a pretty solid deal and it's not more about the money given to Steven Adams, but now it's like, okay, because we all know Brandon Clark may have slipped up and mentioned that there's a deal in the works. Are they really going to shell out close to $25 million a year in two non-shooters and two non-shooting bigs, even though they're both great fits with Jaron Jackson Jr. That was the only thing I kind of came out of it was like, okay, so we're about to shell out 25 million to Adams and Clark potentially. And then letting go of a guy like Dylan, it, it kind of gets, like you said there, that dynamic kind of gets murky. But the main reason I kind of lean that it's good is because of the Jaron Jackson Jr. dynamic. For one, I think he empowers the best version of Jaron Jackson Jr. defensively because, one, he's in places where he's at less risk of fouls. I think he's a mismatch guarding stretch force because he's the size of a center but has the mobility on the perimeter defensively as a like a 3 and D wing. As and he's also one of the best in that. Like he serves as like as like a a roamer in a sense. He's a rim protector, but he's also a rim roamer as well. And I think that's one thing that's very nice with that. But also too, I think he's Jaron Jackson Jr. protection slash insurance. Obviously, we've seen that Jaron Jackson has an injury history, and I think having a center on the books that provides an elite skill is very important for those situations. But also, too, we've seen that Jaron Jackson Jr., he's one of those guys that gets his fouls in bunches. You know, it's not one of those, like, one in the first quarter and then picks up the second late in the second quarter, picks up his third midway through the third, and he goes into the fourth quarter with only three fouls. It's usually one, two, and then comes back in. A little bit later, it's a third and then a fourth. You need another pure center on the roster, and it's, I think especially as – Steven Adams is aging out or not aging out. He's about to depart his prime. He he's not, he's getting further away from his Oklahoma city days than he is now, but that's where I kind of lean where it's good. There's just this dynamic with Jaron Jackson jr. That's incredibly interesting. I think Adams has shown with him getting benched in the Timberwolves series. If the Taylor Jenkins decides, okay, Jaron Jackson jr. Is ready. Let's make him the full-time starting five. I think you can move Steven Adams to be your backup five. And with that contract and that value, I mean, there's a cap spike coming. That could be a very good deal. So that's kind of where I lean. Joe, where do you kind of stand on like the Jaron Jackson Jr. dynamic when it comes to Steven Adams and his contract well, extension? 
I wrote about Jaron over at the step back. They're doing their 25 top 25 players under 25. And I was asked to do five pieces, which got me feeling like old times there. I wrote about Desmond Bain, who was rated number 20, which is ridiculous. And Jordan Poole, that came out on Tuesday. Uh, I wrote about Jaron as well. I believe that comes out Wednesday. And and I kind of talk about how, despite how strong Jaron was defensively, he was one of the worst offensive players in terms of efficiency in the NBA last year. In fact, he was more like Julius Randle than, you know, I would care to admit in terms of, you know, folks in New York wanted Julius Randle's head on a silver platter. Jaron had comparable offensive numbers. So I think that it's an interesting question how he fits next to Adams because it puts Jaron in a spot where he's going to be dependent on to do more versatile things as a four than he would be asked to do as a five. In fairness to Adams, the things that are simplified in that role for Jaron aren't necessarily strengths of his either. You know, he hasn't really developed the rapport with John Morant that you'd think he would. He's not the best screener. Uh, he's effective in that role, but he's not great at it like, like Adams is. He just has an offensive game that looks like it's still kind of finding its footing. I don't know how much that has to do with Adams and how much that has to do with Jaron just continuing to grow and develop as a player. I would be more concerned about Jaron's offense as a whole and prioritizing his growth and development as opposed to what happens with Adams. Because as you alluded to, Parker, Adams has kind of proven, you know, you mentioned the Minnesota series. And to be honest with you, I reached my conclusion without even thinking about that. But that's just further evidence to what we're talking about. Like he's going to be okay, regardless of what the team decides to do. He's a team guy. The same thing can be true of what they want that relationship to look like with Jaron. Do they start staggering the rotation more where Jaron plays at the five and doesn't play as much with Adams? I think that's something that bears watching when Jaron does return because maybe Jaron's best chance to be a second or first offensive option is when he's able to take more advantage of those mismatches at the five as opposed to the four, where maybe the length and athleticism catches up with him a little bit more and his, uh, handle which Jaron does have uh it's not quite as impressive when he's going against other stretch fours as opposed to when he's going against bigs on the perimeter that maybe can't handle him so uh, I think that the foul issues are fair ones to bring up and I'm really concerned about seeing Jaron take the leap offensively and being put in positions when he does come back to show that he can be that kind of player because we talk about Jaron being the best two-way player on the Grizzlies. And then after the, the preseason game that Morant just played, you know, maybe Morant can kind of turn that around one preseason game. You shouldn't make any determinations off of, but you know, maybe that's not as much of a slam dunk a month or two months from now. And that could spell trouble for Jaron because if he doesn't bring it on the offensive end, it doesn't just limit his ceiling. It limits the Grizzlies ceiling. For sure. For sure. Sean, where are you saying on that? Frequent things that I'll say about the Jaron uh, Stephen Adams dynamic is is number one. I know that the first thing that you know several people pointed out was that you know do the Grizzlies does it really make sense to spend this money on a piece that you know we know potentially loses significant value in the playoffs? And I still say yes. And and here's the reason why I say that. It's because I go back to the point that I made. Stephen Adams biggest strength the niche that he has in this game there's arguably no better team or roster it fits than the Grizzlies 
because his offensive rebounding plays into our ability to get shot extra shots in the paint and out possession teams during the regular season, which leads to a lot of wins. I don't want to say this is the regular season signing, but to me, it makes sense that it is that. He helps us win in the regular season plenty of times to set us where we want to go in the playoffs. And I think he'll do that for at least a few more years. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, the second thing is, is that I feel like we, we all are in agreement that the best version of the Grizzlies is when Jaron Jackson Jr. is at the top. Well, to your point, Parker, that you made about the physical toll that Stephen Adams can take against other teams, that keeps Jaron away from that. What does that lead to? Potentially Jaron having the best chance possible to be as fresh and healthy going into the playoffs when he then can play that five consistently. That's the other thing that stands out. And in my opinion, also, with as young as the Grizzlies are and with as stacked as the West is, the Grizzlies are going to win playoff matchups based on different um, using different matchups, using different chess pieces. We saw Steven Adams not be of any value against Minnesota. We saw him be a difference maker at times against the Warriors. So it's the chess piece battle that potentially could be the difference in a playoff series for the Grizzlies. And I think Steven Adams' offensive rebounding against the right matchup could still be valuable. So for those reasons, I agree with all that Joe said. I think Adams does play a part in Jaron Jackson's offensive game, being able to mature like his defense did last year. But I think those things that I mentioned also play a part, again, the support that he offers to our core. For sure. For sure. And yeah, I saw something on Twitter where someone was like, after the Adams extension, it was like, well, when it comes to a playoff series, wouldn't shouldn't they just pay Kyle Anderson instead of Steven Adams that money? And I'm like, one, I don't think you watched Kyle Anderson in the playoffs last year. But two, people forget in the context of this, and I'm going to get to the playoff conversation with kind of this segue here, is you got to win games in the regular season to go to the – even have a playoff conversation. The West is tough. Like – the, Gri- like, the Grizzlies are going to – I don't think they're going to fall in the play-in, but, like, it's not inconceivable to think they get the five seed with only a three-game lead over the seventh-place team. Like, I don't think that's inconceivable. Like, the West is deep, and you need factors in the regular season to help you get there. Like you said, like, once you get there, it's all about the adjustments, and Taylor Jenkins showed to make the adjustments. And I know we've talked about this on the side, Sean. They have now different – you kind of phrase it as chess pieces for adjustments, whether that's Brandon Clark, Zaire Williams. Uh, however, Jake LaRavia and David Roddy develop, they have guys they could pivot off of. And I think here too is like, I think the playoff conversation with Adams is a little overblown because for one, Carthony Towns is a tricky matchup for just about anybody in the league. And I think they yeah, took Dylan a Except Dylan yeah, Brooks. Except Dylan Brooks. That's you're damn right on that. But also, too, they just took away that advantage by trading for a paint bound drop coverage center and Rudy Gobert as well. Um, also, too, yeah, he was out for the rest of the Minnesota series, but for half of that series, he got COVID. He couldn't even play. He really only sat out in like all of, but three minutes in game two and in game three, and then he got COVID. Like, I think that's overblown. Also, I'm I looked at the Western Conference landscape. And a lot of the playoff teams still lean with traditional bigs. The Suns and Aiton, Looney and the Warriors, the Wolves and Gobert, Nuggets with Jokic, Pelicans with Valanciunas, Blazers with Nurkic, Mavericks with Powell, Clippers with Zubac. It's totally fine to have Steven Adams for that cost, especially since those guys are in the similar salary range. Like, 
I, I don't, I'm not, I'm just not worried about the, the playoff conversation with this. I don't know what either of y'all think, but I do think he has legitimate flaws that can take him out of a playoff series, like switching or perimeter oriented big men and stuff like that. But I think it's pretty overblown given the entire context of last playoffs, but also the current landscape in the Western Conference right now. I'd agree with that. I, I think that's a fair point. And I do see where with Adams in particular, but with society as a whole at the same time, we're very good at just forgetting that COVID is a thing at times mm-hmm. and explaining away stuff and just say, oh, Stephen Adams stunk in the playoffs. But you you bring important context. You know, coronavirus is still obviously existing and it impacts everyone in different ways. And we understandably and correctly don't fully know how that impacted Stephen Adams. So there's a layer to the story that we don't have full access to. I am curious to see how he gets deployed in the playoffs. Memphis is built slightly different than it was before. Maybe if it's Adams alongside a LaRavia or Adams alongside a a Zaire Williams or a Dylan Brooks in a small ball lineup, the issues that you suffered through early on in that Timberwolves series aren't nearly as prevalent. There is a lot of factors or there are a lot of factors that played into that, that we don't have full answers to. So obviously what you have in front of your eyes is Adam struggling and then being pulled and not playing, but that context is important. And again, you mentioned the cap jumping. This contract could essentially look like what an eight or $9 million contract looks like two or three years or not two years, two years from now. And if that does occur as an expiring deal, you know, that's a tradable asset, which they haven't Mm -hmm. put themselves in a spot where that's going to be viewed as a negative asset. I think even if Adams is a reserve, he's playing 18 to 20 minutes a night. That's probably the worst case scenario at this point. And he's still providing value on that deal. So I'm, I am not as worried about the playoffs either. I think that Sean's version of, coach using the players as chess pieces is exactly right. I've compared it to pitchers in baseball. Uh, You know, you have different pitchers for different batting lineups. So left-hander against a left-hander, a right-hander against a right-hander. All the depth in the world allows for you to be more versatile in how you utilize the the players against whatever's going against you. A coach will tell you in terms of coach speak, we're going to get better at what we get better at. You know, we're not going to worry about the opponent. Our greatest opponent is ourselves. Once you get to a seven game series, all bets are off. And I, you know, appreciate when Jenkins does give us that little sliver of truth. He said that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you need to find the guys that fit best. They've shown a willingness to do that. Steven Adams, again, to his credit, has shown an acceptance of that. Regardless of whether or not he can play, you know, he's not going to create drama in that locker room. And that holds value. That's very true. That is very true indeed. But I just wanted to, you know, just kind of as like, I'm going to let each of y'all give kind of like closing remarks on this, but just one of my takeaways here is like, it's, this is a very good sign just because it's showing that the Grizzlies do want of some sorts of veteran presence around. And I know people, you know, very skeptical of how the Grizzlies and management are approaching this season because they replaced two veterans and Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton. And it's weird calling DeAnthony Melton a veteran, but he's now entering his fifth season. I mean, he's a veteran now, but they gave up on two veterans or traded away 
let go of two veterans and essentially just replace them with rookies. And I know there's a whole lot of different factors with this all season with the Durant and Mitchell dynamics, but it's a really good sign to see like, Hey, this veteran president, Steven Adams, even though we had this youth movement and we have shown to replace veteran talent with kind of moneyballing it and betting on our development, bringing in young guys and, and trusting them and giving them confidence to perform in big moments. It it's nice and refreshing to see, Hey, Steven Adams, you know, he, he may not be the prototypical, uh, prototypical NBA big man right now, nor is he this bouncy center that would be an awesome lob threat next to job, but he fits, he fits the, on the court, he fits in the culture and he provides a veteran leadership. And I just think the fact that the Grizzlies are committing to him and committing to those facets of what he provides to the organization, it's just kind of refreshing to see, especially for a team that, you know, people kind of uh, criticize them for leaning too heavy into the youth movement, especially as a team that's supposed to be operating as a contender. And I, I kind of see this sign. It's like, Hey, we're still, we're still acting that way. Like we're still acting that way. We're going to keep a veteran presence around because we think Steven Adams is invaluable to this team when it comes to bringing a championship to Memphis. So Joe, I'll let, I'll let you get uh, the closing, your closing statement first, and then we'll get to Sean. I'm honored. Um, here's my take on Steven Adams. He is a player who, and Sean mentioned this a moment ago, he fits, or it might have been you, Parker. I'm sorry. One of you said he fits Memphis better than he fits anywhere else. And the Grizzlies are very good at finding those guys. In fairness to the previous regime, those guys are pretty good at that too in the grit and grind era. Uh, Stephen Adams is another example of that. He struggled in New Orleans. He wasn't a fit for a variety of reasons. Comes to Memphis, everybody says he's washed, and he was the exact opposite of washed in many ways. You could argue he had a career year and he did it doing things that don't take away from the development piece that this team is focused on. Still, you say this is a championship contender move and kind of, but again, we have to remember how Steven Adams arrived in the first place to try to get a lottery selection to get a swing at a six, nine forward guard combo. That's extremely hard to obtain. and, And that looks smarter and smarter by the day. So I agree that he helps them stay in that hunt for all the reasons that you mentioned in terms of all the other bigs that are on the contenders in the West. But I do think it's important to point out in terms of the Steven Adams story arc with the Grizzlies, that he is almost everything that Jonas Valanciunas was without inhibiting development. And the one area where he may inhibit development is in a spot where it may not matter because Jaron Jackson Jr. may not be a five. I think that that's still the ultimate goal. But at the same time, I've seen enough in the last year or so that makes me question whether or not he can do it full time. So this gives you an extension, essentially. You're kicking the can down the road toward an answer to that question. You know Adams can do it. You know he can help this team win without taking away developmental opportunities for those around him and because of that fit on and off the floor this is a player that you want to have around he is a net positive in that way might not chuck a bunch of threes 
might not be the sexiest pick in terms of dynamic offensive production, but he's going to set a hell of a screen. He's going to have his teammates' backs. He's going to be an elite offensive rebounder. He is going to do the work that these other younger players may not be willing to do, and every good team needs some level of an enforcer. Steven Adams is an example of that for them. He's protecting them in a variety of ways, both in terms of play and mentality on the floor. He holds value there. For sure. No, I, I totally agree with you there. Sean, take us home here. What are, what are your, where do you, wanna, how do you want to close this out on your part? And, and I'll be short and sweet because, because Joe hit on a lot of the points that, you know, I think are, are the most important and, and, and the, 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 he's spot on. And, and, you know, he says that, you know, th that's the exact thing. Steven Adams showed last year that he's the rare player that you clearly can see the value that he adds and how others are developing and how others are benefiting with him on the court or him in the locker room, what have you, without having to have a lot of usage, without having to have a lot of shots. You know, I know that I harp on his offensive rebounding. What's one of the reasons why there may not be a better fit for him roster-wise than in Memphis, the two areas that are the three areas actually that the Grizzlies struggle with the most, consistent three-point shooting, effective field goal percentage, half-court offense. With effective field goal percentage, getting those offensive rebounds to get them to high percentage shots. If they're not hitting threes, getting those extra possessions allows for them to have more shots at the other team that may be hitting threes. And with Steven Adams' ability to pass in the half-court at times, that allows for us to have the offensive balance that we're looking at besides getting in the paint, besides the threes, the cutting action that's going on. He helps out in all those areas without having to do much drawn up. For him. And that makes a big difference for this team. And, and like I say, at the end of the day also, he's not a big personality. And I think the one thing that also doesn't get mentioned enough, everybody talks about Steven Adams may be the strongest player in the NBA pound for pound. I also think he's one of the smartest. And the reason why I say that is because he knows exactly what his role is to do. He accepts it. He goes with it. And he works at it. He works at his craft. And that's the exact type of workmanlike ethic that you want for this Grizzlies team to have around their core. So is he going to be a player that makes a lot of noise in the playoffs for a potential Grizzlies championship run? Maybe not. But when you look back on a special season like we had last year with Memphis, you're going to see Steven Adams pop up more than you expected as playing a bigger role than you might have ever realized in the success of not only himself, but even more importantly, the most important players on the Grizzlies right now. For sure. For sure. You know, I, I thank you, too, for coming on the podcast. Talk about something that's, you know, surprising news, cool news. I, I'm here for it. I, I'm very here for it. Uh, but, yeah, make sure. Actually, I'll let these guys plug in their stuff. I know Joe always did that as a host. I want to do the same thing. So, Joe, plug away. You, you got a whole lot of cool stuff you're doing right now. So let the people know where they can find you and your work. Sure. Well, hopefully people are listening to GBB Live still, of course. But hopefully you're also listening to Locked on Grizzlies, myself and DeMichael Cole of the Commercial Appeal uh, co-hosting. I'm filling, as best I can, Sean's former seat. It's difficult. Uh, he, he left it very warm. It's uncomfortable at times, but that's okay, Sean. You look a lot better doing it than I do. I don't know about that. Uh, YouTube, the YouTube thing kills me. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Um, so Locked on Grizzlies, you can, you know, turn off, just cover my half of the screen and uh, you can look at the Michael. But anyway, uh, you can listen to it wherever you get your podcast, same as GBB Live. Uh, I also do some freelance work over at Fansided, uh, the Step Back, 
We have our 25 under 25 series going right now. I wrote about Jordan Poole and Desmond Bain, and I have pieces on Jaron Jackson Jr., Zion Williamson, and someone else who uh, might surprise you by the end of the week. That's what we call a, a, a lead there. Um, you know, maybe you should check out by Friday where my last entrance uh, in our series over at Fansided Lines, uh, Fansided NBA, but lots of fun stuff over there at Joe Molinax. If you want to get mad, I'm still very good at making people angry. Love to hear it. Yeah, make sure y'all are following Joe. He's not going anywhere, and he's still doing great work uh, covering. The I am. I am the Ric Flair. I'm the Ric Flair. Yeah, you're. Yeah, point. you Undertaker. It's no. You're Ric Flair yeah. now. Woo! Yeah. There we. I there we need, go, Sean. I just need my two friends here to promise me that if I ever do a tag team match at the fairgrounds, you put me out of my misery. Just for sure. Make sure that doesn't occur. I'll, I'll throw it. Horrific. I'll throw in like a Seth Rollins stomp or something. Just yeah, stomp just your blogging career. Yeah, I got just, you. Just do, just do what Shawn Michaels did where it should have ended and say, I'm sorry, I love you, and just kick me square in the face. Yeah, I thought I already did that, but I guess I didn't. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Actually, I, I, uh, I think what it is is instead of a kick to the face, me and Parker may just wind up uh, just uh, with a very well-synchronized concerto. Just that might eyes. be a better way. And I have a larger, thicker head. I might need that. That's fair. Cool. Cool. Sean, plug away. Yeah. So uh, you can find me at GBB. Um, I had an incredible run with Locked On Grizzlies. Um, it just it made sense for me to reorganize the coverage that I love to do for the Grizzlies. Um, I will be honest with you. <laughs> the, the, the giving uh, Joe, Joe taking the opportunity and that now being him at the micro show, it's so much better than it was with myself solo. So uh, it, it, it's incredibly incredible duo that they do over there. So make sure you check out Locked on Grizzlies and just glad to be a part of it at GBB. I get to you know, write a little bit more, get a little bit of podcast action going, but just in general, just enjoying the things that I do when it comes to the stats and just watching the Grizzlies and covering them and just enjoying the camaraderie with others that do the same, such as these two fine gentlemen so uh, yep just so you can check me out at stats sac stats most of the time horrible takes five eh, percent of the time and a little bit of humor three percent of the time so you know always enjoy doing it especially with the uh, great folks like parker Joe. i really appreciate it and at this time of year it's about 85 percent braves content right now but yeah you can uh follow me on twitter at paca underscore flock but more importantly follow the blog on twitter at sb and grizzlies and check out our work at grizzlybearblues.com and subscribe Write a five-star review and so you can download every single episode of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, that's it.